rapport isn't trying to find commonality. Rapport is when you genuinely understand the prospect's world. Plug into the minds of the world's cutting-edge innovators, visionaries, and thought leaders who are rewriting the rules of sales and success. It's your time to make an impact. I am your host, Jason Mark Campbell, and this is the Selling with Love podcast. Welcome back, everybody, to the Selling with Love podcast. I'm super excited to be having a conversation today with Adam Sarah, who's just about to release his book, High Ticket Revolution, Zero to Six Figures, A Closer's Journey to Wealth. Now, if any of you have ever thought to go into a career of sales or you're like, I would never go close to that, you're going to want to still pay attention to this conversation because you're going to see that most of the beliefs we have around being good at sales, doing sales effectively, and building even a full career in sales, such as a high ticket closer, might be more attainable than you think, might be more fulfilling than you think, and you'll be learning amazing techniques and mindset shifts throughout the conversation today. Now, Adam, if you're not familiar with him, is a sales expert, a trainer, coach, consultant. He's been in this industry for over 20 years, is the creator of the revolutionary inverse closing system, has closed over 40 million in sales, and really is an expertise at helping organizations scale up their sales team over 100 people in a relatively short amount of time. I first discovered about Adam as I know that he's been doing some fulfillment services and sales for companies like Mindvalley, and so I'm so excited to see what is inside the mind. What is this opportunity? And maybe you'll realize that you can bring some high ticket closing techniques within your organization as well. Adam, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Jason. I'm so excited to have you here. And I kind of want to jump right into it. So I know in your book, you're really helping people understand the possibility of becoming you know, good at sales, getting into the field of sales. But a lot of people might actually assume that there's already enough salespeople out there. Like, why should I go out and put myself into this mix? Yeah, absolutely. There are tremendous amount of salespeople out there. However, there is this hidden industry, which I refer to as the high ticket industry, which demands a skill level that doesn't exist with most salespeople. So your average Joe salesperson who's worked in a call center or who's done some sales over the phone isn't going to be able to cut it in the high ticket industry. And the reason for that is high ticket by its nature, it's very, very different to your average sales. What it's based on, it's based on a promise. It's a transformation in the future, something that's invisible, something that's not tangible. So because of that, and coupled with its high ticket, meaning that something is over sort of two and a half, all the way up to, let's say, 50,000, coupled with the price tag and the nature of it being that it, you're selling something intangible, it demands this high level of skill, this high level of persuasion in order to work in that industry. So, yes, there are loads of salespeople out there, but they don't have necessarily the skills to work in high ticket. Do you find that somebody who's been in the field of sales, maybe more traditional sales, is at an advantage or at a disadvantage if they start considering a career in high ticket sales? Categorically disadvantaged because all of those techniques that you've been using, those what I refer to as the old hat, out of date techniques, will fall on their face on a high ticket conversation. It simply doesn't work. See, what I always talk about, Jason, is that Buyers have evolved, but salespeople have been stagnant. 
buyers over the years have been pitched to death and have had traditional sales done on them, let's say, have become a bit wary and their radar is really tuned up for anything that comes their way. So those techniques simply won't work in the high ticket world. And again, to specify the kind of term high ticket and the industry that we're talking about here, from what I understand and my own knowledge around high ticket is we are talking about the realm of selling to consumers, right? We're not talking about business to business services. Is that correct? Correct. This is a sort of phenomenon that exists within the B2C industry. Awesome. And so I'd be very curious to understand, so what have you noticed in the field of, you know, consumer behavior, buying patterns that has made it so that a high ticket closer is a necessary piece of call it the funnel or the business ecosystem to help you achieve your business goals? Yeah. So high ticket, as I mentioned earlier, starts with a figure of sort of two and a half to five thousand. So, you know, marketers will tell you that anything that's below a thousand dollars, you can have a website you can have a checkout that could take those card details and sell very easily. But the moment that you start to creep towards the high ticket realm, when you start to go over the $1,000 mark, you need human interaction. You need someone to be able to speak to that person, really understand them and put them on a journey. And that's what the high ticket industry demands. That It demands that kind of individual that can have that real connection with someone and so that they can part with, you know, two and a half thousand, five thousand, even up to 50,000 on a phone conversation or a Zoom conversation. So that is why it's essential to have those necessary skills. Hmm. I know you specified the fact that it is the intangible. So we're not talking about selling cars. We're not talking about selling houses here. So could you give us examples of like, what would be the type of product you'd find yourself selling as a high ticket closer? Sure. So an example would be that you are selling a certification program for someone to become a life coach, let's say. Now, you can't touch that. You can't see that. You can't feel that. So this is something that you're promising in the future that they will have a new career. So the fact that it's something that's intangible, you need to really invoke those emotions in the individual so that they can relate to that vision. And that's where the skill comes in. That's where one's ability to really have that deep conversation is really needed. Now, I love in your book, you actually share a lot of methods, exactly how you should be doing it in the right way. But I'd be curious to know, I mean, you've been in this industry for 20 years, and I'm sure you've not seen it all be sunshine rainbows. Uh, when you talk about certification programs, coaching programs, I'm sure you've seen a lot of the mud out there as well. So I'd be curious to know, like, what are some of the things you've seen in this industry that made you go, oh, my God, I need to change the people's way of doing this because this just ain't right. <laughs> the classic example, Jason, is this notion of rapport building. So what what a lot of these gurus will tell you is that, you know, you've got to become their friend. What they will say is, you know, you've got to have some commonality with them. So when they come on the call or if they come on Zoom, that, you know, ask them where they're from and tell them that you, you know, you've been to that location or, you know, what kind of hobbies they have or what the weather is out there or whatever, something stupid like that. All this stuff is so transparent that it is a sales technique that prospects just shy away from it. They just move away from something like that. They get guarded and they close off because they know what you're doing. The way that I teach sales or high ticket closing 
is that rapport isn't trying to find commonality. Rapport is when you genuinely understand the prospect's world. That's real, authentic rapport, not this kind of artificial. Oh, you have a dog. My neighbor has the dog as well, and all that sort of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Well, I like the fact that you actually speak about. You know, there's two, call it negative ways that sales were done. Like you'd had the going too far from a very like hardcore salesy, like buy now or you can never buy again, and like almost using shame as one of the motivators. And I thought that was a very interesting way that you elaborated how that's a motivator, but it's not the best motivator. And I'd love for you to talk to me about, you know, what does the role of shame play in a way of selling and why is that not the way to do it in the future? Yeah. So I feel like we've gone through one end of the spectrum to another. So the first part of this spectrum is, you know, always be closing, always, you know, this kind of hard sale, you've got to pressure them and, you know, you've got to use these, you know, buy now tactics, so to speak. And then the other side of the spectrum is in response to this, that it feels so sleazy and horrible, we've gone completely the other side of the spectrum, which is what I describe in the book as sales as service, right? That you're there to serve the prospect. And my feelings on that is I think we've gone too far. Well, we went too far on this side and, and also this side. And what my approach is, is to attempt to harmonize that. We always know that there's always truth in the middle, right? I think it was at Schopenhauer that was talking, the philosopher, the German philosopher, he said that civilizations, they go through kind of three steps until they find the actual right position. And, what, and I think we've done that here. We've gone to the always be closing. We've gone through sales as a service, losing the essence of closing in the process. And now we've come in the middle. So it's taking the good bits from each point and harmonizing it and come out with a new approach. Yeah. It's funny because this is something we're seeing across the board, right? It's not just in sales. Like you're looking at politics, right? Like you had the huge swing left, huge swing right. Everyone's an extremist. And you're like, isn't there anybody left normal? But the majority <laughs> is normal, but it just doesn't get the headlines, right? And, you know, I'd be kind of curious to hear your thoughts around a lot of the sales guru that look really cool for other salespeople, you know? Like I watch a lot of sales gurus and they're going like, oh, they're closing. And it's like, it's an entertaining thing to watch, but it's pretty hardcore. Are you advocating for us to shift more towards those kinds of things? Or is there something that's still perverted from that approach? What I've noticed is that even when individuals are saying that we're far removed from these sort of hard closing techniques, I still hear and see them actually using them, but then, then they don't actually, they're not actually aware that they're still using these techniques. I'll give you an example. It's the fast action bonus. This is everywhere in the high ticket space, right? The fast action bonus. So for your viewers and listeners, what that is, is this. So you do your presentation, you do your pitch, and then when it comes to the price, their investment, so you say, right, this program is $10,000, but if you buy with me now, it is $5,000. And if you call me tomorrow, it's going to be $10,000. So it has to be $5,000 now. So techniques like this just simply don't work. And prospects know what you're doing. They can see through it. Now, let's just rethink about this technique for a second. You have a program that's $10,000. And in about five seconds, you just dropped it by 50%. What do you think the prospects are thinking at that moment in terms of the value of your offer? That you can suddenly just 
halve it in three seconds. It really destroys the value. It's using a technique to create urgency, but it's a very crude technique. But that's just an example which I, I often hear and see on when I'm auditing some of my client sales calls. I, I can hear this technique being used, and it just absolutely makes me cringe. Yeah. Hey, man, I've been in direct response online marketing for a long time. <laughs> I'm not innocent. We've done this. I've done this. And, you know, it's always been something that they would say the data shows that it can actually help to convert. But I would agree with you. It's never left me with a happy feeling. I always felt like, ugh, I felt cringe doing it. But then something I would do differently is actually maybe show like the total value. But there would be a lot of inflation around that as well. So in your approach, I mean, we still need to create urgency it's as you said we don't want to become a service as you say which is you know oh you do it on your own time you know we kind of still need to lead them we still need to make people make decisions change is hard and so what are some healthier ways that we can create that kind of urgency without feeling so slimy about it yeah absolutely and if i can just speak on what you said earlier just about the data that it you know the the fast action bonus works indeed it works it will work on some individuals but the question is this how many people did you burn in the process? Amen. Brother, I speak about this and I'm so glad you bring this up because yay, you might bring your conversion rate from 5% to 6%, but the 94% now hate your guts. Yeah, totally, <laughs> totally. How do you know that the people that didn't buy that would have bought if you didn't use that technique? Because salespeople, they love to focus on the ones that they've got, right? but they don't focus on the ones that they've lost. Just to tell you a funny story on this. So I had one guy when I was working for a hypnotherapy certification company, I was the head of sales there and we got this new guy on board. And so we're trying to put him through the process. So he comes with very traditional sales. We're trying to get him to learn my system, you know, inverse closing method. And my trainers are coming back to me saying, Adam, this guy, this guy just keeps resisting keeps resisting. He just won't take it on board. He won't listen to what we tell. So I said, great, bring him into a meeting. So I brought him in a meeting and I said to him, so what's going on, man? We're trying to help you here, you know, improve. So he, and um, he goes, well, Adam, Adam, I'm getting sales. It's working. I'm getting sales. I go, really? Okay. So how many people have you spoken to? He goes, look, I've spoken to 25. I've closed five of them. So you've spoken to 25 and you've closed five of them. He goes, yeah, so it's working. So what you mean is that your method has lost 20. And his brain just fried. Like I said, what you mean is that your method has lost 20. And for a moment, you know that moment where the record slips? It's almost like that happened in his brain. He just froze. He never, ever thought of it in that way never to actually focus on the ones that he was losing, but focusing on the ones that he was getting. So, you know, the fast action bonus, it will work on certain individuals that are malleable, that you can pressure, but the people that are intelligent, the people that need persuasion, sophisticated persuasion techniques, it won't work. And that's the danger that you're losing more than gaining by using that technique. It's perfect because it's just a point that I've wanted to beat the drum on. So I'm so glad you've elaborated because I think we're actually not necessarily well equipped to view the data on what's the sentiment of the sales we didn't close right away and what potential they could have of closing in the near future. And 
you know, I find that a lot of times if we look at the way that we measure salespeople's performance and the way that we structure sales teams, it is incentivized to close right then, right there. And it's like, you're either a buyer or you're a waste of time. Like I've seen, oh my God, I've been in sales organizations. They were like, you're a time waster or a buyer. And so they're burning through that ridiculously. And there's just all this lost value branding, all of that gets destroyed when you bring these kind of toxic sales behaviors that just look a little nicer on the front end. But yeah, that was basically it. I'm just so glad we're bringing our radar up to focus on some things that are longer term, that are actually about every sales conversations being good for the brand and doing it in a different way. So I'd be very curious to know in your own methodology, while you're in the process of writing this book, I know you've created a few great techniques to reframing, especially on this aspect of scarcity. So the question I initially had was, are there ways to create more you know, scarcity or getting people to actually take action without feeling slimy? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So yeah, I remember now what your initial question was on, on urgency. Um, so how do we create urgency without using these kind of crude techniques of you know, you got to buy this now or it's gone. Well, the key is in your prospect. If you really understand your prospect, you really understand their world. And I don't mean a surface level on what they're saying. I'm talking about what's behind what they're saying. If you're able to connect the dots, because the, by definition, if they are speaking to you, they have a reason to do something. They have a pain, they have a problem that needs a solution, it needs resolution. So by definition, the fact that they're on the phone means that they have something for you to discover. If you're trying to stay focused on getting work done and eating throughout the day is something you think about, have to decide, and you're not sure what to do, and you just wish an option was available where the right meal with all of the specifications you want be available to you, easy to make, under two minutes... Well, luckily for you, Factor is available where you have over 35 different options a week to choose from, including options like keto, calorie smart, vegan, and veggie. And you can enjoy over 55 nutrition-packed add-ons to help you make your weekly meal planning even more delicious. So what are you waiting for? You can get started today and have a feel-good week of meals ready to go. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking up for something fast that's upscale option done very easily. It's flexible on your schedule where you can get as much or as little as you need by choosing 6 to 18 meals per week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. No prep necessary. They're 100% ready to heat and eat. So there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup necessary. Head to factormeals.com slash sellingwithlove50 and use code sellingwithlove50 to get 50% off. That's code sellingwithlove50 at factormeals.com slash sellingwithlove50 and you'll get 50% off. Not bad. And the game of a high-ticket sales call, it is absolutely a game, by the way, is you to uncover that pain and that problem. And the way that we do that is by using well-crafted questions that really cut through the surface and really get into the subconscious mind of the prospect. So he really unravels all of his pains, his problems and issues and concerns. Now, the way that we create urgency is first we need to identify the problem, then the pain that comes from the problem. 
in the book, we go through this. And what we're trying to do is we're trying to look at the prospect's world and we're drawing out the friction, the pain the prospect's world creates because of where they are. And what we're trying to do is we're trying to take that and ultimately the way that we create urgency is through fear. Fear that their trajectory will get worse. That's how you create urgency. It's not enough to just identify the problem and the pain. The reason for that is because they're managing it. They're not going to jump out the window if they don't buy your product, right? They're managing it. But it is the job of the high-ticket closer to get them to have this introspection to understand that the trajectory is going to be far worse from where they are. And it is that that creates the urgency and action. So that's how, and, and you see, now that's easier said than done. So Jason, do you, do you see why people opt for the, well, if you buy this now, it's half the price? Because it's easy. It's easy to do that, right? You just utter a few sentences. But what I'm suggesting requires a hell of a lot of skill and exploration and sophistication. That is why people opt for the cheap and crude way of creating urgency rather than this. I would also love to add, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think what you're suggesting actually puts a lot of responsibility on the seller because it's based on how you were able to understand the buyer that you can actually explain to them how their situation is getting worse. You're not lying to them. You're not saying anything untrue, but because you spent the time to actually fully understand them and take that risk of saying like, hey, I don't think this is getting better. You're just managing, but we can get you thriving. And that requires confidence. That requires studying. That requires a sophisticated method. And I believe that's what you're preaching for. And so I'd be curious to know when you preach a methodology like this, this whole responsibility that comes with you going and leading people towards this change, does it make some people become a little more afraid of selling themselves because of the burden of responsibility? It is absolutely something that people have to take extremely seriously because this is a very, very powerful approach and it can be abused. It can be abused. And, you know, as we know from the Spider-Man movie, with great power comes great responsibility and this can be abused like any other tool. So the impression that I get from salespeople when I introduce them to my method is wow, like this is crazy stuff, like what you can absolutely achieve. Now, there needs to be some ethical <laughs> ethical consideration here. And what I teach my sales guys is that, my closers, that this is not about creating you yourself, creating the pain and problem and urgency. I'm not trying to manipulate them to look at their life in a certain, in the way that I want them to look at it. All I'm doing is helping them unravel the reality of their, their world right now. That's all I'm doing. I'm getting them to focus. Look, human beings, and I always say this, human beings, we have a mechanism to continue with our lives. And that is denialism. We have lots of issues, lots of problems, and the way to live and just continue is not to look at those problems and put them, you know, in the back of our minds. That is destructive for someone's growth. 
right? Our job as closers is focus. We are focus agents. We want them to focus on certain aspects of their life. And in this particular situation, we want them to focus on all that's wrong in their world, right? So what we're trying to do here is not create something that's not there. I'm trying to unravel it. That's where the skill comes in. You know, you just have to look at the fact that we still have so many millions of people that smoke cigarettes every day. And it's not like we lack knowledge to make a decision to quit smoking. But it's just like you said, this denialism kind of kicks in. And you kind of just cope with it. You kind of just deal with it. It's not that painful. But, you know, fast forward a few years and now you have these health problems. And, you know, if you did have somebody who understood, who cared, and really knew how to actually make you make a change um, for the better, could actually unravel that for you it might actually help some people to be able to make those powerful decisions and i think in particularly these intangible b2c types of programs that give personal transformation that get people to recognize blocks get consultation get breakthroughs it's not as obvious as some of the more tangible business solutions that you can measure you can get a clear roi you can weigh it out and so that understanding becomes such a critical part of the sales process. And I know there's a big element within the inverse sales method is actually going out and asking powerful questions. If somebody's just getting started in this, is it a good baseline to actually get yourself equipped with tools such as coaching methodologies? Or is that, again, something that will work against you in the world of high ticket? When you say coaching methodology, do you mean to be sort of understand how coaching works and using that in your sales calls? Yeah, you see, we have to make a distinction here. This isn't coaching in any shape or form. In actual fact, coaching would be problematic because if you coach someone around their problem, they will have the sense that it's resolved momentarily. And what happens there is that they leave the conversation thinking, oh, I've got this nice feeling now that my problems have been solved. And they walk away and the salesperson's thinking, oh, that was great. I really helped someone today, but there's no sale. They're going to be a very broke high ticket closer if they coach on these calls, right? So this is not coaching. In actual fact, if you coach someone on a sales call, you're doing a disservice to the prospect because they are not getting the genuine resolution that they deserve all you're doing is you're giving them the artificial feeling that it has been resolved because they've spoken about it. And you've said, yeah, you can get through this. And, it, you know, you're going to be able to, to imagine yourself now with, without these issues. They're thinking, oh, great. I've got this nice feeling of I feel really high now and they don't buy. So that, that's actually doing a disservice to the prospect. So there's a big difference between coaching and also high ticket closing, a massive difference there. Uh, and one of the things that I noticed, Jason, is that coaches, they cannibalize their sales because they use coaching on their sales calls. Time after time, I listen to these calls and I'm like, you're over coaching. And there are reasons why people do that. Some of them is they're not very confident about themselves, about their offer. So they're like, hey, look, I can do this and I can do that. And the other thing is they're just not confident in closing. Yeah. 
I'm glad you addressed that because I've seen it. I've witnessed it myself. And, you know, there's a part when you're saying, oh, it's a disservice when you actually coach them. Most people actually would feel like, oh, but if I've coached them, at least I'm one of the good guys or the good girls, as opposed to being one of those evil salespeople. So I'd love for you to kind of share a bit more. So if I'm not going to go out of my way and coach people additionally on a sales call, but rather just focus them on the conversion, why is that the greatest service to the prospect? Because they get what they need. The prospect gets what they need. They don't need a momentary high. They need a solution to all of the issues and the concerns that they have. Where, you know, if moments later, that emotion of, oh, yeah, I just spoke to someone, I got coached around this issue, that's going to disappear. And they are going to be back where they were before they called you. Exactly emotionally and also their position in the world. So that's why it's a disservice because they're not going to get what they need. So the, the, the individual who is a coach or the high ticket closer that is on these types of calls, they must stay away from coaching. And the interesting thing is that some people, they're sort of, how can I say, they're well-natured their inclination is to help people. So they go to place, well, let me just coach this person with this problem. But that's not going to do anything. That's actually going to get, it's going to cannibalize their, their resolution. Yeah, that's really good. And so while somebody's maybe paying attention to this and never consider themselves to be a high ticket closer, I know in your book, you're actually helping a lot of people consider it as a path for them to be able to be a high ticket closer. Are you saying that anyone can do it? And if anyone can do it, does it make it a valuable skill or is it something that's quite a commodity? Mm, good question. Yes, anyone can be in a high ticket closer. The reason I say that is the way that I teach sales the inverse closing method is not based on personality or characteristics or traits. What it's based on is a process. A process that I outline in the book can be learned by anyone. Now, mastering it, that's a different thing altogether, right? That requires a lot of dedication, a lot of practice, a lot of trial and error you know, making loads of mistakes in order to get to a level where you can master those, that process of closing. So the kind of conventional understanding, Jason, as you know, is that sales is about the gift of the gap, someone who can really talk, you know, all day, all night and convince people. This is completely the opposite of the way that I understand what sales is about. Sales is not personality, it's process. And that process can be taught to anyone as long as they have that dedication and that time. Awesome. And so one of the things I would assume is when you're trying to get into this type of industry, you're probably paying attention to the types of market that are the most exciting to get into. Are you recommending people, you know, if you're getting into this path, are there certain industries or markets that you would see are very much growing for this type of salesperson? And is it something that we should align ourselves as if we're going down this career path? Yeah, absolutely. The e-learning space, which which um, dominates the kind of high-ticket industry, is a multi-multi-billion-dollar industry, which is still growing, and it's expected to grow even more. It's that space that I want people to look at 
and move into if you come from a sales background or any other background for that matter. You know, if you're looking for a job, a career where you can work anywhere in the world, you can earn six figures and have powerful conversations that you're actually helping people, high ticket is the way to go. I mean, me personally, Jason, I've done all the other sales jobs out there. You know, I've worked in the corporate world. I've worked in the office, done the nine to five. I've done door knocking. I've done all of these. Um, I've done Teddy sales. I've done all of these different sales roles. But high ticket, I'm telling you, completely changed my life. The fact that this, you see here, this is my office, right? And guess what? I can take this anywhere in the world. I travel around the world and I visit beautiful places and I can still work and I can spend time with my family. And I have a three-year-old that I spend immense amount of time with. Like I do a sales call and then I just, after I finished it, I've closed it. I just go and play with him for five, 10 minutes. You know, that would never have happened if I had a traditional sales role, right? Oh God, don't remind me of the jobs that I've had, you know, traveling, there on the tube and you know an hour in this cramped conditions and then coming back and too exhausted like that doesn't happen anymore like high ticket is a fantastic opportunity for anyone who wants to make a career in sales but wants to get away from the old baggage hmm. i like that and i want to flip the lens from another perspective being that let's say i'm actually running an organization maybe i am in the spaces of the markets you special like e-learning and maybe i haven't ever integrated a high ticket sales kind of piece in my business probably because i've always associated it with a way of you know terrorizing my fans into buying things in a scary way what's your message for most organizations in that space who haven't integrated it and might want to consider it using the methods you speak about yeah so there is hope there is an approach, a tried and tested approach, where it actually feels good for the prospect and it feels good for the salesperson. It is a way that prospects, after you know giving their credit card details, will thank the salesperson because they've actually helped them. And there is a way, and we've tried and tested this on through my agency. You know, we've done one hundred and fifty thousand discovery calls. Over the year, we've tried and tested this approach, and it's not something that we're going on out on a whim. It's something that's actually tested. We've tried it with different industries, different niches or niches, right? Depends on who the, the listeners are. We've tried it across different verticals, and it works, and it feels good for the prospect and the salesperson. I love it. So I know we started off by talking about how there's an assumption of having too many salespeople, and I do have to throw kind of the popular scapegoat, I think I'll call them that, the popular scapegoat. You know, we're in a world that change is happening so rapidly and AI being the big buzzword of the year. What do you think is the role of AI in the way of shaping the way sales are being made, especially in the way that high ticket closers need to think differently to be effective? Mm. AI will completely destroy the, the traditional sales industry. It is going to completely destroy it. If you are a sort of regular salesperson working in a call center, even selling cars, your job will not exist probably in the next five years. Let's say if we're lucky 10 years, the only sales jobs that will exist are the ones that demand that high level sophistication of communication. 
And that is high ticket. High ticket is here to stay. I mean, maybe in a hundred years time when AI really develops that it will completely replace human beings. But for the time being, a safe career in sales is in high ticket. You can just buy cars online now. This has been around for a few years. Now, add AI into it. You know, a lot of people are going to lose their regular sales jobs. I love it. Adam, every time I bring somebody on the show, I have to ask the one question, which is you are on the Selling with Love podcast. So I'd love to ask, what does selling with love mean to Adam? Oh, great question. That's a really good question. What does that mean to me? It means that I have an admiration and a passion for developing my craft. And that craft and that skill is high ticket closing. I love it. Adam, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing so much about the high ticket process. For those of you who are considering this or going deeper into the space of high ticket closing, be sure to check out High Ticket Revolution, Zero to Six Figures, A Closer's Journey to Wealth. Adam's book is just around the corner, or if you're listening to a replay of this episode, has been out for a short little while. It has some beautiful methods and ways of really changing the way that you approach sales, understand the opportunity of high ticket, and apply a process that you can continuously practice on your journey towards mastery to see how you can be in a career that is fulfilling. You can bring this methodology inside your business and see how it can help you generate more revenue, happy clients, not at the expense of the non-buyers, but in a way that actually builds the brand in the process so that people continuously want to approach you, want to do business with you because your salespeople are not being pushovers or sales as a service as Adam has spoken about today, but rather are people that are focused on understanding, that are really caring about people who want to have transformation in their life to end with the passive suffering and active into finding solutions in their life. Super excited for this coming up. I do think that we do need to see a level up in the sales industry in general. And it's with work like what Adam has been sharing with the world is bringing a new breed of salespeople. I consider him an ally in the selling with love method. Thank you once again, Adam, for coming on the show and for everybody tuning in. Keep selling with love, particularly if it's high ticket. I am your host, Jason Mark Campbell, and this is the Selling with Love podcast. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.